You're listening to the Regent College Podcast. Hello, my name is Octavio Fernandez Mostajo. And my name is Claire Perini. And welcome to the Regent Podcast. We had a conversation with Mariam Kovalishan about the book of James. Mariam is the Assistant Professor of New Testament here at Regent. And the majority of her research has centered on the book of James, uh, as well as Jewish literature of the intertestamental period, as well as classical Greco-Roman literature. She's sort of uh, continued to research widely across the epistles, um, Pauline and generally, but um, Mariam uh, knows a lot about James. And so Mm. we sat down and talked to her about James. Yeah, we talked about what is faith, what is righteousness, uh, who won the fight between Paul and James? And yep. and yeah, the way she she speaks of faith and Hebrews and James in in the Gospels and Paul combined, it was just great. Mm-hmm. And your concept of faith is going to be enriched mm-hmm. and maybe even changed. Mm-hmm. Totally. And and Mariam just has um, a real depth of just understanding this book and so and understanding kind of the New Testament in general and the kind of the early Jewish world. So it just brings insights into mm-hmm. things um, and kind of answers questions that, yeah, you might have been wondering about how does this all fit together and does this is this contradicting other yeah. parts of the Bible? Um, it's not, but you need to listen in and find out how and why. Mariam, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to have you back. Um, we're going to talk today about the book of James. You've spent a little bit of time. <laughs> a little bit. Just a little bit. The book of James. Like, why don't you tell us what drew you to the book of James in the first place? Oh, goodness. I mean, just in, in practical terms, chronological terms, I had memorized it in college and university. And then when I went to seminary and discovered I was going to have to write a thesis, my going-to-be supervisor asked me what I liked in the New Testament. And all I could say was, well, I just memorized James. <laughs> so it was a very kind of incidental, maybe divine uh, providence kind of path into James. Uh-huh. But then it turned into a love of mm. this text that... Um, Partially, practically, there's lots of space in the field. There's not a lot of people that study James um, Mm. within the top 20 scholars because there's only 10 or so. (laughs) Um, You know, it makes a nice, easy field in one sense where I have a space to actually play and and Mm. say something. Um, But also, I find it's a deeply profound book. Um, I am convinced it's by the brother of Jesus. And so, it's interesting to read from the brother of Jesus' perspective, Uh essentially, on how he reflects on his brother's teaching for a very practical, you know, teach the church how to live now Uh that we have seen Jesus, now Mm -hmm. that we have seen the Messiah, what does it mean to be his people? Mm -hmm. Um, So, I find it a profoundly practical book. It's one that's fun because people often love it just at the lay level because they can read it and go, oh, okay, I can do yeah, something with yeah, this. Exactly. <laughs> this makes sense. Yeah. This makes yeah. sense. I know mm. what to do. Okay, thank you. Um, but I've studied it for going on to 20 years now. And um, I know five chapters, 20 years, you can do it. <laughs> um, and it's uh, it's still providing fruit. I'm still learning new things. So, I mean, that's, that's the joy of just getting to study scripture is yeah. you could pick probably any part of scripture and spend that kind of depth and s- keep finding fruit because yeah. it's the word of God. Mm. Um, when you said you're, you're convinced that it's written by the brother of Jesus, what mm-hmm. are the other options and why, why would you think, why would it be considered otherwise? Like what's, 
Oh, tell us about like you know in brief terms. In brief terms, yeah. uh, James has one of the widest spreads of uh, potential authorship. It can be seen as the brother of Jesus, written quite early, even as early as forty-seven. So it could be one of the earliest books of the New Testament before Paul. Before Paul, um, or it could be all the way. I've read people all the way to the one fifties. Uh-huh. Completely not James, obviously, because James is executed in about sixty-four. I think. Um, and so the spread for wh- where and by whom and all of that is quite, quite wide. Um, p- part of why I'm convinced is it's very Jewish in its reading. And so I want to take it earlier because it, it reads quite nicely in the Jewish world. Part of one of the critiques of it is that you could take out the references to Jesus and have a Jewish text. Um, wow. I don't think that's quite true because I think it is actually reflecting deeply on the Sermon on the Mount and teachings of Jesus. But it reads very Jewishly, so to put it in an early context is quite convenient for that particular token. Um, and some of the ways that it, it, like, he's not interested in questions of circumcision, he's not interested in questions of sacrifice. These to me seem like mm-hmm. early questions before the Gentile question becomes a major issue for uh-huh. the early church. Oh, okay. yeah. It would make wow. sense that he's not dealing with it because it's not yet a major issue. Yeah. <laughs> he's writing in Judea to Jewish Christians you don't need to talk about some of the things that Paul then has to deal with when he's out in Greece. Um, yeah. It's yeah. just, you know, different kinds of questions being asked. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting. You as a scholar using the, the word convinced of, cause normally I don't hear scholars being convinced much of. <laughs> we usually give more hedging. I yeah. actually heard myself say no, no, that. But I, I heard myself like say it. that and say, oh, I don't usually sound that confident on anything. No, I like it. It's refreshing though. <laughs> yeah. so, so if you place, if, if you say that's uh, the brother of Jesus, like the James, the leader mm-hmm. of, of the Jerusalem church, Correct. and and then you, you, you put him in the, I don't know, in the 50s, early mm-hmm. 50s, yep. th- then it would make sense what scholars like to do and uh, by f- uh, putting James and Paul in conflict, right? right otherwise, right. if you put it like in the 150s, right. it doesn't make sense at it, all. It doesn't right. seem to, it, it's kind of answering a question that's already been kind of yeah, answered for exactly. 50, 100 years by then. Um, whereas if it's actually in a point in time when maybe he's heard rumors about what Paul's teaching and they've gotten twisted and they've come back to Jerusalem and people are going, oh, we don't, what, what's this grace thing? Um, yeah. Then, you know, his response makes a little more sense into an okay. active conversation. Okay. Um Mm. So, and we want to use that a little bit to to start talking about it. Uh, for people that may be listening and do not know, a lot of scholars and in, in pastors and, and Bible readers think that James did not agree with Paul in what he spoke about, uh, what faith was and how it worked and what grace was and how it worked. They tend to think that James explains it in a totally opposite way as right. as Paul did. Right, right. So let's start with that. Do you think... We don't have to go deep, but do you think that is How a thing? How can you not go deep? This is what I do. <laughs> we're, go, we're going, but we're going, going baby going, steps. Baby, baby steps in. Baby steps in. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, that's the common complaint. I mean, that was Luther's complaint. That's uh-huh. been a. That was actually all the way back to the early church. One of the questions was: Is this uh, apostolic? Because is it actually in contradiction to Paul, or is it not? Um, and generally, the the reception of James has been more along the lines of he's talking to people who are already covenantal people already in if we're going to use Sanders language of staying of getting in and staying in which is problematic for other reasons but it's also a convenient little shorthand um so he's already talking to people who believe who are in and the problem now is how do you stay in all the way like how do you get to 
you know, covenant faithfulness. Mm. And so he's, that's what he's talking about is how do you get saved to the end, not just how do you get into the covenant. Whereas Paul's out there dealing with Gentiles who are not in the covenant, have no idea what this mm. all is. And he's trying to deal with how do you get into the covenant and saying, no, you don't need to become Jews. No, you don't need to become anything else. It's by the work of Christ on the cross mm-hmm. that is how you enter into relationship with, with God. Um, and so they're, they're dealing with different questions, not... You know, and Paul then gets very concerned about how the churches live. Like, you only have to read 1 Corinthians and realize he's deeply concerned that they then oh, live yeah. what they believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, his, when he's talking about things like justification, when he's talking about things like salvation, they're usually the intro into the community. How do you become part of the people of God? Whereas I think most scholars have kind of settled on James is dealing with people who are already in but aren't doing anything. And he's saying, no, you actually have to show that you believe by living it out like it needs to bear fruit mm-hmm. in in your life so mm-hmm. so they're kind of approaching different problems yeah. mm-hmm. as i asked you the question i was thinking a lot of people that might be listening to this would be asking how can you believe that two authors in the bible are saying things that are opposite because like in my head the bible is telling one story <laughs> right. right it's supposed right. to <laughs> supposed to be telling the same story like two authors in the bible couldn't be saying opposite things so right. so so right. to start with if you start thinking about i mean i know it's complicated think about the bible in that way it's like how can you say they're contradicting them of course, <laughs> of course they're god not. was there god was in, you know god was it's in the background yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. It's, it's god's book is he contradicting himself you know yeah, so yeah. just to start thinking that way yeah in, in a way is yeah is, which is part of why i don't want to say they're fully contradicting each other uh-huh. i actually think they're just doing different things uh-huh. and yeah. in the in in the early jewish world you would use abraham as an example like if you read other jewish literature everyone uses abraham as an example mm. so of course they're going to use abraham as an example and but they're going to use him different aspects of what abraham did to prove different points mm. so paul uses abraham to say well of course he didn't you know like we don't need to do circumcision because abraham got the promise before circumcision mm-hmm. was entered he got the promise before the law became a thing he got the you know right. the, abraham's promise came first and so as we enter into abraham you don't need to do all the other things um whereas James says, well, yes, Abraham got the promise, and then he lived accordingly. Yeah. And so we need to follow in Abraham's footsteps and live accordingly. And so they're, mm. they're, doing, they're kind of doing the same kind of exegesis, but doing they're just proving different points. So they're not contradicting each other. I mean, because, yeah, elsewhere I would say Paul is as concerned as James about mm. your faith needs to have <laughs> works with it. You know, yeah. as, as he says, not, all that matters is faith working itself out through love, like, and the love being love of God, love of neighbor. So... Mm. You, that's what matters is yeah. the way it lands in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but they sound quite different because they are using examples to prove different, the same example to prove different things. So it's, right. it's mm-hmm. it, yeah, you have to kind of dig into the text and go, what are you actually saying mm. to get past this? Oh, they're just contradicting each other. Because yeah. mm-hmm. if you just read it at surface level, then they sound yeah. a little contradictory. But again, what they're actually in context arguing, they're making different points mm-hmm. altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so you were you were mentioning uh, the use of Abraham, and I have some. I'm gonna just drop some verses here. <laughs> 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 drop some verses. And, and uh, James two, fourteen to seventeen says, "What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if anyone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them," Go in peace, keep warm, and if well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, 
what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So can such faith save them? Save them from what? What is what is in, in I mean uh, is a weird yeah. question, but what is in the mind of James when he says yeah. can such faith save them? Is hell in his head? But what, what do you think about what that? What is going on? Yeah. Um Yeah, well that's I mean you've you picked yeah, you know, some of the more complicated verses in James. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Although you could probably pick a lot. Yeah, I, I just, I'm just like that. <laughs> You're just so deep. You're, You're so, so, deep. You're so <laughs> ready right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, the question of salvation in James, it's it's complicated because he doesn't use the term on a lot and so you're working from you know four or five references to try and determine what in the world he's meaning but it does seem that when he uses the terms uh, the, the terminology of save it has some sort of future um make it through the final judgment kind of kind of import mm. um so it has some sort of you know the the implanted word has the power to save your souls but you need to let it be implanted and grow and like and here can such faith save you it's not going to it's not a question about right in this moment it seems to be a question about in the future will this faith actually have the power to get you through um the judgment that he has just alluded to in in verses 12 and 13 of chapter 2 in in those verses he talks about you know judgment will be without mercy for the one who hasn't shown mercy but mercy triumphs over judgment and then he goes immediately into this what good is it if you don't mm. do mercy so i think within james this this attribute of showing god's mercy to others so the mercy that god has shown in bringing you in you now need to show to other people and if you oh. don't show it to other people this is a big warning sign that maybe you haven't actually received it from God. Like maybe you haven't actually mm. let it seep into your bones and start to transform your imagination so that you start showing God's mercy to others. So that you start seeing that poor person as beloved by God and mm. as your neighbor that you actually need to care for versus someone that is just outside your social circle and you don't need to worry mm. about them and you don't mm. need to care about them. Or you just, as it says in, uh, I think it's verse... 15, you know, go in peace, be more, you know, shalom, God bless yeah. you, mm. and then just walk on past. Like, you mm. give them empty words, mm. and James is saying, actually, no, it needs to have some feet to it. Yeah. <laughs> mm. your, your mercy needs to be lived, and it ne- but it's coming from the mercy that God already has shown you, um, without which, you know, the future judgment is itself without mercy. Um, so, mm. God's mercy is triumphant, but we need to then mimic his mercy mm-hmm. in our relations with one another, or we face a God who basically says, you rejected my mercy mm-hmm. because you didn't live it forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I th- that's how I kind of take what James is on about. Like, God has shown mercy. Are you going to show that mercy? And if so, that shows that you have received it. Mm. Um, so much like I would say, I, I very much read James in line with the Gospels, which again, if, if it's yeah. Jesus' brother, this is convenient. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the whole abide in me and then you will bear fruit. Um, and then the branches that don't bear fruit are pruned. And there's a danger of not bearing fruit mm. that is very prominent all through the Gospels. Um, and so that same kind of like, if you let the word... In James one twenty one, if you let the word be implanted and bear fruit, you will show mercy, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and it will save you. <laughs> it's the power to save your soul, but it's coming out of God's mm-hmm. yeah. God's transforming. You're talking about the gospel, uh, you just remind me of you know what Jesus. Uh, 
you know, has the, that image of a house being plant, planted in, on, on set and, yeah. and a house being planted on the rock. He says, if you obey my words, I'll compare you to a house yes. that's built on a rock. Yes. Right? So it totally resonates with, with Jesus because yeah. Jesus is, is talking about if you obey my words, right. I'll compare you to a house that's on a rock. Right. Right. It, right. That remains on a rock when the right. storm comes and when right. the wave comes, waves come. So... So it totally, it totally resonates. It totally mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah, it, yeah it, it, it's it's the same kind of yeah. teaching of like if it, it, that when the storm comes, yeah, the one on the rock is, is stable. It's yeah. mm -hmm. sound. It's not. It's not shaken. Mm -hmm. The one on the sand that never did what Jesus uh -huh. said, and that's the the import there is mm. of Jesus' teaching yeah. at the end of the whole Sermon on the Mount. You don't do any of this. You're like the one on yeah. sand, and it just washes right away. Yeah. And that's. I mm. mean, it's. The end of the Sermon on the Mount is a serious warning, and you can see everyone in the in the crowd afterwards is just yeah. in shock. Okay, that was big, mm -hmm. <laughs> and and it's because yeah. it's this new teaching of how you need to put uh, or what you need to be doing. Mm. To yeah, be then, then you have the combination of Jesus being the rock, you know, mm -hmm. the foundation mm -hmm. of, of mm -hmm. uh, as Paul speaks. Yeah, and then you have you have uh, the works that cements you or or puts you in the rock right not just hearing the word of god and then yeah yeah, yeah i'm in and yeah, yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah it should i guess and i and i think what it like all through the new testament encountering jesus at the cross and the resurrection encountering the holy spirit these things should be transformative yeah like all through the the new testament it's not that you then pull up your bootstraps and become really righteous mm. it's that once you encounter god you know, the face of God on Jesus on the cross, you sh like, this should transform everything. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it's done through yeah. the Holy Spirit transforming you. And James, mm -hmm. the word, he uses more the image of wisdom, but it's that same kind of like, mm. God has put something in you. This should just be transformative. And the concern is, if you're not, like, what have you encountered? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what, that was making, making, starting, I was starting to think about it, was what does James say about the work of the Spirit in all of this? So this yeah. whole idea that... Um, yeah, this needs to look different. You need to do some stuff yeah. to actually to, for this to be manifest in you. So, what does what does James? So then, otherwise, it does feel like this. Oh, I need to yeah. like do yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. What does James say about the work of the Spirit and kind of and grace in all of that as well? Have you got any? Well, the thoughts? fun of for the fun of James is that he doesn't mention the Holy Spirit. So you know, like, <laughs> fun. <laughs> that makes a nice awkward. What does he say? Nothing. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's that's a great interesting. <laughs> so, um, so again, with the if I take it early before this like whole doctrine has really solidified into the mm. church of what's going on, um, he uses what would have been more familiar in the Jewish world of the the notion of wisdom right. um, oh, as okay. the way that God both communicates to the world, but also teaches his people and empowers his people to live according to what he thinks they should be. So, wisdom all all through the Old Testament, through the Second Temple period, would have um, been seen as both the empowerment to do what God does and the way that trains the people to do what God wants them to do. Um, and so he uses the language of wisdom, but mm -hmm. he gives the fruit of wisdom. It sounds pretty similar to the fruit of the spirit in Paul. Mm -hmm. um, he was like, you know, it's, it's almost identical to Galatians five and the, you know, he has the works of the false pseudo wisdom, the earthly mm -hmm. way of thinking that is jealousy, envy, fighting, all these sorts of things. And then the fruit of wisdom. And it's almost exactly how Paul sets up, you know, the, fruit of the you know earth is these sorts of horrible things and mm. then the fruit of the spirit is these wonderful things and so it's it's mm. very much a similar way of thinking about where are you drawing your kind of 
power mm-hmm. as it were mm-hmm. um your motivation but what is what is actually bearing fruit in you yeah um is it god's wisdom or is it your earthly ideas mm-hmm. essentially and this all i think i very strongly think that james one gives the the rooting of his theology um and if we miss james one then the rest of james has a lot of imperatives and sounds oh, really okay. bossy mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one person telling me i don't like james it's just bossy i'm like yeah. well yes yeah. if you don't read it in context of james one but james yeah. one has um that every good and perfect gift comes from the mm-hmm. father who by his choice gave us birth. And so I think he's starting from a foundational, Mm. you have already been given birth. And then he follows that with, you know, receive the implanted word that has the power to save your soul. So we have this this word of God by which we've been given birth, new birth into the, you know, people of God to be the first fruits of the kingdom. So we've already got that. So now the question is, what are we doing? Are we cultivating Mm -hmm. that? Are we letting the word of God transform us? Or are we just continuing our merry way as worldly people? Mm. And his concern is people seem to just be happy to continue their merry way. Mm -hmm. And he's like, but but God already gave you birth. You are already a new creation. So here's how you live accordingly. Mm -hmm. And once you put it in the frame of God gave you the birth, God implanted the word that has the power to transform you, God has given you wisdom, then it's not all about our emphasis it's about cultivating what god is doing mm-hmm. and working with the spirit although again <laughs> you know working with what god has done and wor- working mm-hmm. with what god has given us cooperating yeah cooperating mm-hmm. with it and then letting it transform our minds transform our imaginations so that we see you know the poor people so that we mm-hmm. see in our business how do we frame our business in such a way that it's helpful for all of the people of God and all mm. of people mm. versus just about making me wealthy. It tra- like it shapes yeah. our whole imagination to, yeah. to, to live differently Yeah, in mm. terms of love God, love your neighbor. Yeah. yeah. I have another question. Uh, obviously in the Bible, we have the word faith everywhere being thrown, thrown oh, by, yeah. you know, used by Paul, by, by, by e- almost everyone. Right. Right. So in my head is, uh, did they all had the same uh, idea of what faith was? So, because my question is, uh, James, you know, he says faith by <laughs> itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It's dead. <laughs> so, so is faith for him the same thing as for Paul, or the same thing as for the author of Hebrew, the mm-hmm. Hebrews? Because uh, you know, it, it's very explicit what faith is in Hebrews eleven, right? Mm-hmm. It's very explicit. Mm-hmm. But, but, do you think they all had the same exact? concept of okay this is faith all of us we're talking about the exact same thing do you think i yeah or do they they (laughs) complement each other i think they more complement each other i think that's a great way to do that different things giving different facets of a one exactly so for paul it's very often that initial faith in christ like as he says in corinthians this seems like foolishness like Christ crucified? You wouldn't have a Messiah crucified? Mm. That's just bizarre on all fronts. Mm. And we're, you know, 2,000 years into this Christian thing, so we're like, yeah, of course a cross, that's great! Mm. Um, But in that ancient world, like, this is a bizarre... So to put your faith in a crucified God and accept that that is the way to reconciliation with God Mm -hmm. is how I think Paul most often tends to use faith. Um, But then he also has those lines like faith working itself out through love Mm. um, and that faith you know, bears fruit and this sorts of language comes through Paul a little bit, but the, but more often than not, when he's trying to help his people understand what faith is, it's that you need to accept that this is the only, the Christ crucified is the only way mm-hmm. to reconciliation with God. And then with someone like um, James or the author of Hebrews, it seems to be a little bit more 
I mean, because Hebrews 10, right before you get to Hebrews 11, um, has a whole lot about persevering in the faith mm. and not giving way, not giving up, not not quitting. And so I feel like there's actually, um, do not throw away your confidence, do not throw away your faith, like persevere. And James is the same kind of message. If you do not persevere in this mm. faith, then it's dead. Like it, it has no life to it. It's mm. not just... It's just an intellectual idea, but in the Jewish mindset, an intellectual idea can't save you. It's what you do. It's your praxis that oh, reveals... Oh, you have to say that again, though. <laughs> the intellectual ideas yeah, yeah, don't yeah. save you? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's Yeah. It, just having an idea means very little other than how it lands in your life. Because what you do reveals what you actually believe. Uh-huh. If you actually believe that God is trying to transform you and that God is at work transforming you, then you will find that through the Spirit you are being transformed. If you actually believe it's just a head knowledge of like, I'm saved, I've got my fire insurance, Uh I'm not Mm. going to hell, um, then you don't actually feel like your life needs to be changed, and that is not a living faith. A living faith is something that is transformative, that is Uh the power of God at work in us, as Paul says. Mm -hmm. Like, that's I think what yeah. they're often on about with the, the with with faith. I mean, you see in Hebrews eleven, it's by faith that Abraham did crazy things. Mm-hmm. By faith, he leaves his homeland and goes. I don't know where. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. what kind of faith do you have to have that actually makes you act in such a dramatic way that you would leave everything and go to a place I'll show you? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a very dramatic action of faith. It's not just an intellectual belief that, yeah, I believe in there's one God, but I'm just going to stay where I am because yeah. he'll love me wherever I am. But I still is, believe. I still yeah. believe. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know if that's... Oh, no, that, that's that's like super shocking to, to me because <laughs> we've, I don't know, if the word is hijacked, the word faith, mm-hmm. and we, we mean it, what we mean today is just, I believe. It's, right. it's just a, a thought I have. Right. It's, it's really there. I really think that way. Right. But... I don't know. Like you said, is that's is very different to what you just yeah. said. Faith yeah. is, yeah. And I do. I mean, yeah. I think that's somewhat. I mean, I don't want to underestimate that there is the intro faith. Uh-huh. Like there is the just. I accept that this is the that Christ is the only way that I can be reconciled with God, mm-hmm. and that is in the very initial moment, mm-hmm. the grace of God that meets you there, mm-hmm. and it is. In that initial moment, just an idea that you accept because you have to just accept it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then faith becomes living when it is lived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is transformative then. And it, yeah. it, it has the, the feet that change, you know, that change how you walk your life. It changes everything. Um, and otherwise, it just remains an idea. And Paul, Jesus, James, none of them have any yeah. real space for an idea that doesn't actually, I mean, j- Hebrews then goes on to, since we're surrounded by all of these people, you know, press on, throw off everything that hinders, you know, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. Mm. You know, Mm. faith has to then persevere. Mm. Um, Mm. And it's Mm. it's a very active thing in my in my view, and that that would have been more often than not in the Jewish mind what faith would have been. Like faith means that we obey Torah. Faith means that we live differently. Mm. Mm. Um, Unfortunately, in the Old Testament, hence the exile, they didn't really live that way. Mm. Mm. Um, And they they went through exile and didn't really enjoy that. (laughs) 
I think mm-hmm. so. Th- those kind of questions we have of your yeah, faith and works, there are opposites. Right. It's because we don't we don't have that robust uh, right. sense of what faith is. So right. so if if we 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 have what you said in mind of what faith is, then we we wouldn't have a issue with James. We wouldn't right. have issue with Amen. with Jesus. <laughs> we wouldn't have an issue with Paul. He's like. Right. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Where we're coming from now in our understanding yeah. of faith as an issue, not not yeah. The, yeah. the authors fighting amongst each yeah. other. I think that's exactly it. It's the yeah. the way that we define faith is simply you know I ascribe to a set of creeds or I ascribe uh-huh. to a set of ideas, and that's what faith is. And anything more is bad. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, is is just faulty, honestly. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's the kind of chair the cheesy chair analogy. It's like a totally think that that chair can hold my weight. Mm-hmm. Right. I totally think it can. Right. But I'm definitely not going to sit in it. Yeah. <laughs> like or, or but it's like until I sit in it, I actually that I like until I do something to say I think that's true right. or I have faith that that can do that. Until right. I actually sit it's such a cheesy example, but it's it but it's is a helpful true. It's like, it. yeah. yeah, it's that whole idea that you actually just thinking it is is it's only, moot. Yeah, it's, it's just moot. Yeah. Like it doesn't yeah. really help with anything. <laughs> yeah. Do you actually think it if you actually don't do anything right. with it? And people like, will say, of course you don't. Otherwise you would have said on it, yeah. right? Right. Like, it's just logical. But <laughs> right. when we come to faith, no, it's yeah. just, just, a, it's yeah. just uh, a set of creeds and, and yeah. ideas you have to. And mm-hmm. I get the fear of the subtle creep of I can earn my righteousness. But I actually don't think that's the biggest problem we have right now. Mm. I don't think that mm. most people are thinking I can earn my salvation. Like, no. I think we're more on the problem of like, no, actually obedience matters. What mm-hmm. we do matters to God. And we're so far on the like, it's, I just have to believe in God. And we've forgotten that what believing in God means doing, as he said in yeah. Matthew 7, it means doing what he said. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think, the bigger challenge of our, our age is the willingness to, I mean, it pulls into all sorts of questions of our age of, like, are we willing to submit? Ooh, yeah. bad word. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, are we willing oh, to submit our wills to word. God? Are we willing to let the Holy Spirit direct our lives? It's, that's, those are hard questions, and we'd rather just say, I check these boxes of faith and I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the, the call to mm-hmm. a lived faith is, is a different thing. Mm-hmm. Big challenge. So good. Another word in James is righteous and righteousness. So we've sort of we've sort of fleshed out Dabble the faith meal. kind of idea. But um, so James two twenty twenty one says, "You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Yeah. Is so that word kind of righteous righteousness? Is he?" Is James using that word in the same way as the author of Genesis? What kind of righteousness is he talking about? What let's flesh that one out a little bit as well. Yeah, that's that's another one of those big words because it's the the justification language. It's the same same word. We don't have a we use two different words in in English for justification and righteousness, but it's actually one whole idea. So mm. you can have a different translation that was not Abraham justified when he offered his son, and you're people like, say like what? what? <laughs> Jesus? What do you mean justified? <laughs> what do you mean? Like yeah. that's a very you know problematic. Um, uh, I mean, just in in our reception of it, we mm-hmm. hear that word and we cringe. Mm. Um, mm. And and to have him declared righteous for what he did in this moment is it, we. Like yeah, as you say, it's mm. <laughs> without Jesus, we can't talk like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I think it's following the same whole piece. Um, James is just using him to say, like, look, Abraham followed his faith to its logical end. Right. If God said to do this, and and I love that you know the author of Hebrews adds. 
because he knew who God was and knew that God could resurrect yeah, yeah, yeah. his son. Like he knew, mm. you know, if this is the son of the promise, I, in some ways I look at it as Abraham going, okay, God, you told me to do this, but you also said this is the child of the uh-huh. promise. So which one are you, like, which one, God? Uh-huh. You know? yeah. and, and him saying, I will carry this task you gave me out because you have given me this and I I have faith in you. I believe in you. Mm. Um, and then God God sees Abraham's willingness to obey and says, yeah, actually, I am not a God who, unlike all the cultures around, I don't want human sacrifice. Uh. I don't actually, you know, here's a ram. Yeah. <laughs> but it proved that Abraham wouldn't put even, wouldn't put anything in front of God. Mm. If God said, take your child whom you love and give him to me, Abraham put God first. Mm. And, and, and again, I think he was able to do that because he had had, you know, 80 years of interactions with God mm. and, and was like, okay, God, mm. y- you got to work this one out because uh-huh. you're the one that set this whole thing up. So I don't, you know, you're the one that claims this is the child of the promise. So I think there's a, an interplay of trust in God's character that Abraham shows, mm. um, but then he is declared righteous in the sense of this is the final test in Genesis that Abraham undergoes. And so, uh, historically, people see Abraham as undergoing a series of ten different tests. Um, ten, okay. ten is the – I mean, because you need a good number in Jewish, yeah. mm. <laughs> Jewish yeah, like, readings. Like ten commandments. Well <laughs> ten commandments. You have ten tests for Abraham. And this yeah. is the okay. final big cumulative test of his faith. And, and in it, God says, there is nothing more I can ask you to give up. You've given up your homeland. You've given up, you know, so many different mm. things for me. And now you would even give up your beloved son for me. You know, I don't need to prove your faith any farther. Mm. You are clearly, and this is kind of what uh, gains Abraham the saying, that he's a friend of God because he puts God first over mm. everything. Mm. Um, and so the declaring righteousness uh, is, is the kind of, you know, like, stamp seal of approval that this is genuine faith that uh-huh. doesn't question. I mean, I think Abraham shows throughout his life that he questioned all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, but it, when the crisis comes and God says, sacrifice everything for me, Abraham's willing to. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting that he, James pairs this right a, right with the example of Rahab, who in, yeah. um, in welcoming the spies right after this, um, oh yeah, yeah. She, because I mean, they're they're brilliant examples because Abraham's patriarch, father of a people, yeah. you know, wealthy, yeah. all these sorts of things. Rahab's a woman, foreigner, mm. you know, potentially a prostitute, or at mm. least running some sort of inn, which is often a subtle word for yeah. inn with extra comforts. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, so not exactly your ideals versus your uh-huh. ideal patriarch. Yeah, um, but both of them show faith because Rahab actually looks at the Israelites and goes, okay, everyone in Jericho, if you go back to Joshua uh, 4 to 6, she says, everyone here knows your God is the God and that we're doomed (laughs) and we're all trembling. Mm. But Rahab does something Mm. and she actually throws her allegiance with the people. So everyone had the same knowledge. So if we're back to the faith question, everyone had the same knowledge. Everyone had the same fear of God. Rahab did something. And out of all the Jerichoites, she and her family were saved. Because of her action. And so you see both of these characters do something 
that's quite costly because it cost Rahab her identity. Mm-hmm. Like she becomes a sojourner with the people of Israel from uh-huh. then on. Like she also becomes part of the lineage of Jesus and it's a great, you know, <laughs> yeah. she becomes part of the people uh-huh. of Israel, but she has to leave her people as well. So these, I, I feel like those two examples show us that we're justified not by anything of our identity, of our, you know, the ways that we often think of who we are. Mm. Instead, we're justified by throwing everything at God Mm. (laughs) and saying, okay, I trust you, Mm. that you are who you say you are, that you will do what you say you will do, and I'm throwing my allegiance with you. Mm. And that's that's where the justification comes in. And that is faith. And that is faith. And so these all come together. Like all of these terms, I feel, are very closely integrated. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you to do something, some cultural exegesis, which you may or may not feel comfortable to do. But I think your comment about the whole, the question of our age is... Do I want to submit? You know, do I? It's not necessarily do I need to earn my salvation or can I earn my own salvation or whatever. Um, even do I need salvation? Yeah, exactly. What do you think's going on? Like what is it? We, we, we don't like obedience. We don't like submission. We don't like. I think human nature, right. honestly, right from the garden. Right. We want to set our own path. We want to be our own gods. We want to. I mean, very much the the mood of this age is I want to create myself. And only I have the right to say Mm. who I am. So the idea that my life is a gift, that my person is a gift, and that I am embedded in community, and the community has a right to say something about who I am, Mm. that my God has a right to say something who I am, my creator. You know, like, no, I self-create. And so what I feel what I am is the guiding principle and so we're very much i feel like and i don't know why now versus yeah but i do feel like it's the same question um back in the garden as now like Mm. i want to create myself and Mm. i don't i don't like the path that i mean yeah i don't like the path that god has us on the the some of the early church historians saw adam and eve as someday they would have actually gotten to eat from the tree of the knowledge of Uh good and evil but they needed to mature first and grow in faithfulness to god grow in Mm. knowledge of god grow in relation with god and then when they were mature enough Mm. they would have been that's again i have no idea that's Mm -hmm. one of the trajectories of interpretation was that they were just made somewhat immature and needed to Mm. grow in their relationship Mm. but they didn't like that path Mm. they wanted to jump the Mm -hmm. jump the queue as it were Mm -hmm. um short shortcut take a shortcut and we're very much there now like we just don't want to take the path of obedience take the path of discipline we want to shortcut all that and be able to create myself and just Mm. be what we want to be but it's it's also finding like i think the widespread depression that's going on now the widespread anxiety we can't do that like, yeah. we can't actually shortcut the process of maturity. We mm-hmm. can't actually shortcut. And the pressure to create ourselves, I think, is is deeply anxiety-producing. Totally. <laughs> like, very disorienting. It's very yeah. disorienting. Mm-hmm. To, to not be able to take anything as gift and mm-hmm. given uh-huh. um, means that everything is our own responsibility. Whereas, I think, biblically, we are embedded people. We are created people. We are given Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there are givens, and then what we're called to is faithfully living out from mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. Um, and and that we don't want to accept the givenness. We don't want to accept the boundaries, mm-hmm. and and so I just see it as human nature. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy because not even the parents can 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 right. now tell the child what to be and what not to be. Right, they decide from right I don't know, from, from when they're like toddlers. Right, right, they, they say what they like, what they don't like who they are, who they mm-hmm. want to be, and the right. father just 
helps them be whatever they want to be. Not even right. the, like now it's not even the parents get to do that. Right, right. And I'm watching, My, yeah. I have a two-year-old and I'm watching and I just think uh, the pressure to put on him, like to have to create all that identity is unfair. Like, but I know it's not culturally popular to say that, but I just think it's an unfair pressure to put on uh-huh. a little kid who has no long-term... I mean, he's been alive for 670-odd days. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, how does he have any perspective of what life is? And that's, I think, the gift of parents is, mm. you know, wise parenting mm-hmm. should be able to help, you know, give perspective on mm. the length of life, on the, you know, mm. and that's where community comes in, mm-hmm. too, like where, where others can speak into your child's life. And mm-hmm. But now, no, we we don't dare. But I'm just also an old, fuddy traditionalist, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but it is, it's that whole idea that if identity is given, right. then that's very freeing. Right. And then I am simply then to live into the identity right. that I have been given right. by the one who created me in whose image I am made. And right. So on, so who on. knows how he created me. Yeah. Who knows. And I don't, I mean, I think he knows who he created us to mm. be. And so we can live into that with freedom. He didn't make a mistake yeah. when he, you know, for instance, I'm a female biblical scholar. Did he make a mistake? Should I have been a male? I don't think so. I think no. he knew what he was doing and then he called me to be where he was. So yeah. we can wrestle with him in what our calling is and mm. what our, our meaning is. You know, mm. our identity is, but it's not that, but we do it from a place of trust yeah. that he is mm. good, yeah. that he knows, knows what he was doing as the creator, that he gave us this because yeah. it's a good gift. Yeah. So mm. that's, mm. yeah. And faith would be living that. Living in that. that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Yep. exactly. Yeah. Trusting that God, and, and that's, to pull it all the way back to James, yeah. Yeah. trusting that God is good mm. and that God gives good gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that our lives are among those good gifts, that our salvation is one of those good gifts. Like, mm. And then living into that trust that even mm. if it's not always clear how God is good, that like Abraham, we trust that he's good. Mm-hmm. And so we will do the crazy things that he seems to be calling us yeah. to because we trust that God is good. Mm-hmm. And, and starting from that place of faith that then is lived out mm-hmm. um, is, I think, very freeing. Like you mm. said, like it's you don't have to wrestle with I mean you you wrestle with God I love that he uses the example of Job too yeah <laughs> Job certainly threw a fit in yeah, the book yeah. of Job <laughs> what a fit <laughs> there quite a fit but he didn't curse God mm-hmm. he didn't curse you know he didn't he didn't say God you are evil mm. he just said I don't understand what's going on mm-hmm. this doesn't make sense and I'm deeply upset about it mm. Mm. <laughs> but he turns mm. to God and he wrestles with God he doesn't curse God and walk away mm. and that's I think what we're called to when we don't see the whole big picture um, yeah. the faith then says okay God I trust that you're good I don't like this and I'm gonna yeah get in a fight with you yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm gonna wrestle with you so yeah, Isaac yeah. Job yeah. any of these examples they wrestle with God mm-hmm. they don't walk away from God mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's exactly the yeah. faith again and so just kind of as we wrap up if people are if this has hopefully caused someone to think I'm gonna go and read J- James again and understand it in hey, a different way man. that would be a great thing <laughs> if, as people are looking what would you say what's the we've sort of talked about a bunch of things but what mm-hmm. would you say what's the big idea as we're looking through James what like what's the and if we account, encounter stuff where we're like oh I'm not right. sure how to understand that right. what what do you say is the kind of the big idea of James yeah. um yeah <laughs> the whole book no <laughs> it's only five chapters read yeah. it um I think James is pitting God's characters unified as good as unchangingly good um and then our very double double minded natures we want worldly things but we want to be gods but we don't really trust that he's good. So we want to just do things our way. Mm. And he's saying, actually, no, our goal as God's redeemed people is to become like God. 
And we should be moving away from this double-minded confusion and actually start becoming single-minded, mm. start becoming whole. And in that, we're going to start showing God's character. Mm-hmm. We're going to start to become, you know, reflect God into the world as mm. we're made to, as we're supposed to. And so this this call away from idolizing things of the world, mm. um, doing business like the world, mm. to speaking like the world, to competing with other one another, you mm. know, like doing, doing things according mm. to worldly ways. And he's saying that's actually not God's way. Mm-hmm. Doing things God's way is going to create purity, peaceableness, mm-hmm. you know, hope, all these sorts yeah. of other ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, he ends with this call to restore the one who wanders. And I, and I think it's framed you know, from the start, you know, the, the, uh, we know that um, perseverance will create our faith so that we can become mature and complete, lacking in nothing. And I think mm. that's the vision he has for us, is mm. that we become, mm. in the way that our God is complete, whole, non you like, mm. not wishing-washing all over the place, but actually just good, that we move into becoming this sort of mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. person that can reflect mm-hmm. the character of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I it's a great way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, Thank you. It's, so bottom line, we should stop trying to impose on the Bible a conflict that does not exist. Amen. <laughs> yeah, bottom line. So people that are listening, just... You can breathe now. There's no conflict there. It's, it's our issue. It's, it's, it's us that don't get it. And, we, you know, we're in the process issue. of getting it. And, yeah. and that's, and that's I think, I mean, cool. to be fair, back in Luther's time, there was a, a, a growing problem of people thinking you could kind of do all these different things to get salvation. And so Luther was reacting to that and uh-huh. saying, yeah. yeah, no, it's not that. And so he, I think, overreacted with the case of James um, and over maybe emphasized in Paul mm-hmm. the just just believe, just believe, you know, like, I think he got a little loud on that sort of thing, but it was in con- context of something that was a problem. I don't think that's the problem we have now, and I think now yeah, we need yeah. to call people yeah. the other way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, it's all within the Bible, and I think that's what's brilliant with the Bible, is it actually has much to say to now, mm-hmm. and it has much to say to every era of church history. Yeah. Um, and we just need to make sure that we're actually listening, listening. to the message for this age. Yeah. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> I know. Loaded. I know. <laughs> little, little dig. <laughs> Miriam, thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much. We had so much fun. This it was great. great. Thank this you. is Thank fun. You for yeah. No, thanks for making it a good time. Thanks for listening to the Regent College Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To discover more about Regent College, its upcoming events, conferences, courses, and more content like this, visit regent.net. That's R-G-N-T dot net. <laughs>